0: we go! You're listening to Law & Gospel on this Monday, September the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at a reading for the 16th Sunday after Pentecost, this coming Sunday, September the 25th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. We're readings from Amos 6, 1 Timothy 3, And Luke 16. Now, Luke 16 is normally, well, it's a passage most people know. But there's a point of this passage that a lot of people forget. And so we're going to be taking a look at it. Luke 16, verses 19 to 31. Jesus begins. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed, and what fell from the rich man's table. Now this Lazarus, is not the same one that was related to Mary and Martha. Jesus just uses this name. It was a very fairly popular name, just like Jesus was a popular name in his day. So here was this rich man, and he wasn't really giving any food to Lazarus. In fact, even the dogs came and, licked his sores. Now, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. This is Lazarus. This is taught elsewhere in the Bible that at your death, your spirit will be taken to be in heaven at Abraham's side, at the side of Jesus. In contrast To the poor man being carried by the angels, the rich man also died and was buried and was in Hades, being in torment. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham responds to him, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. Now, that's a good point to be making to Christians, that because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you will not be in anguish in this world. The Proverbs make it very clear that you will not be destroyed totally. But it doesn't mean that you won't sufferings, sickness, anguish, etc. In contrast to those who are not being saved. Besides all this, Abraham says to the rich man, between us and you a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able to, and none may cross from there to us. So once you're in heaven or in hell, you cannot cross over to the other side. And he said, now this is the rich man again, and and by the way, sometimes you'll hear this parable as a parable between Dives and Lazarus. The word Dives is actually the word for rich, and that's where we get his name. Probably wasn't his name, but he was a rich man. So he says, Then I beg you, Father Abraham, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. Now, did you hear what the rich man says in responding to Abraham, I beg you, Father. You see, Romans 8 and following makes it very clear that because you believe that Abraham is your father does not mean that you are going to be saved. Many of the Jewish leaders, they said, Abraham is our father, and therefore, that's why we're going to be saved. And Jesus made the point to them again and again that, no, there are two ways to look to Abraham. You either look to him as one to whom you are related And that does nothing. But if you look to Abraham as the one who bore Isaac and trust the promises that God gave to Abraham through Isaac, that through his seed a Savior would be born to take away your sins, then that is important. So even though the rich man refers to Abraham as father, How does Abraham respond when the rich man says, I have five brothers. Go and warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Here's Abraham's response. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Now, today, we would also say, they have the gospel and the epistles. But of course, when Jesus is giving this story, the gospel and the epistles were not yet written. But both Moses and the prophets pretty well summarizes the books of the Old Testament. Moses was the books of the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then the prophets were the rest of the Old Testament. And Abraham is pointing out, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And it's very, very important to realize that when you talk about Moses and the prophets, you are not just talking about the law. You're also talking about the many gospel promises found in Moses and the prophets. Remember the first one to Adam and Eve after they fell into sin, that in speaking to the serpent, God said in the hearing of Adam and Eve, that through the Eve, through the seed of Eve, would come a Savior, and he would destroy the works of the devil. Eve believed that, by the way. In Genesis 4, verse 1, when Cain is born, that's her first son, she thought it was the fulfillment of the promise that God had given in Genesis 3.15. And the original Hebrew reads, I have gotten a man, the Lord. Many translations put in a preposition that isn't in the Hebrew. I have gotten a man, the Lord from the Lord. No, she believed that Cain was the Messiah, but instead he was the first murderer, murdering his brother, Abel. Then you have, oh, throughout all the prophets, Isaiah. You can't find a a better theological book than Isaiah to tell you about that Jesus is coming By his stripes, we are healed. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those are promises of the gospel. And they're found throughout the Old Testament books. And that's why Abraham says, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But of course the rich man knows that he had Moses and the prophets and that did not persuade him. So he says no father Abraham even refers to Abraham as father Abraham but if someone goes to them from the dead they will repent. Now What's the rich man asking for? He's actually asking that if possible, Lazarus could be sent back to his brothers and they would see him who has been risen from the dead and that would convince them. The next statement by Abraham is so important. It's verse 31 of Luke 16. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Now, what is Abraham saying here? Because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Do we not believe that? Is that not convincing proof? that our sins are forgiven. Well, we need to make a distinction about how the gospel can be understood. It can either be understood by acknowledging that it is historical. Namely, that's kind of what the Apostles' Creed does. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, he died, he was buried, but he rose from the dead. Now those are historical facts, and they are meant really for the believer to assure us that this is what Jesus did. But do you know how many theologians today are trying to convince people that Jesus rose from the dead. This passage, verse 31, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will be they convinced if someone should rise from the dead. What, what's Abraham saying here? You can talk all about that Jesus rose from the dead. But if that is your message, it saves nobody. What? Well, for example, do the demons know that Jesus rose from the dead? Yes. Do many of the Pharisees, They did they believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Well, yes. But like the raising of Lazarus from the dead that they believed was true, they thought it was the trick of the devil Beelzebub. So it didn't convince them to believe in Jesus as their savior. And that's because the gospel is not based on historical facts. It's based instead on promises connected to those facts. So that is very important when you're trying to share the good news with someone that you make sure you talk about the promises about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all this time in trying to prove that Jesus rose from the dead, that's not going to convert anybody. Because there are those who believe he rose from the dead and still remained in their unbelief. What converts an individual is hearing the gospel promises of the forgiveness of sins, for example. Because the promise given to Abraham was that he would be going to a new land. And that new land was actually heaven itself. That's what he believed. And therefore, the promise of the gospel is based on the forgiveness of sins so that he can go to heaven. There there were many people in Israel who followed the commandments of God outwardly and even the ceremonial laws, such as the New Moon Festivals, as we heard about last week. But they were upset with the New Moon Festival because part of the condition of the New Moon Festival is they were not permitted to work on that day. And that was the first day of every month. Because in Jewish thinking, the month began with the appearance of the new moon. And and therefore, that was a time that was, in a sense, a Sabbath day. And that's why it also says in Amos that they did not like the Sabbath. Because they weren't able to sell their wares, their fruit, their vegetables. And they were using dishonest scales. Well, God says he will not forget these people, which is the worst thing you can say to a human being, that God will not forget their deeds, because it's the opposite of forgiveness. In forgiveness, according to the Old Testament Jeremiah, Repeated in the book of Hebrews, God will forgive your iniquities and no longer remember your sins. Now, he's not talking about his memory there. He's talking about getting even with a sinner. To remember your sins means you will be paying an eternity in hell. To forget your sins means that heaven will be your home. And that is on the basis, and this is where law and gospel is so important, it's not on the basis of any work that you have done. Because works don't save anyone. Well, yes, you can do proper works, which are called fruit of the Holy Spirit, But that only occurs after you have been totally saved. And those works are responses to Jesus for having gone to the cross, paid the price for our sins, and therefore, heaven is our home. The Old Testament reading from Amos 6 also emphasizes that for this Sunday. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and to those who feel secure on the mountains of Samaria. Why? Are you better than the kingdoms? Or is your territory greater than your territory? Woe to those who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, who drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. That means they're not grieved over the people of Israel falling away from the Lord. Therefore, and this is what Amos says, those people think that they are right with God because they have many possessions, sufficient food, And that for them becomes a criterion that God is pleased with them because of their works. But God is not pleased with their works when it all doesn't include proper worship. Verse 5 talks about who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp. Today... It is not wrong to use a guitar in a worship service. I've heard guitars used and they're very good because they're using great songs. But many of the songs that are referred to as contemporary songs today are actually idle songs. Idle because they do not give Jesus Christ the credit for one's salvation. Idle, because they do not assure us of the forgiveness of sins. Idle, because they give you the impression that you can achieve anything if you only have faith. Such people should be grieved over the ruin of Joseph. And therefore, verse 7 of Amos 6, promises, they shall now be the first of those go into exile. And Amos is talking about the Babylonian exile. And the revelry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. They will be slaves in Babylon. And they will be there for years. Praying to the Lord for help, because that's what happens when the law's instrument does its worst. You begin to realize, I have failed the Lord. And therefore, the law is a very loving thing to be preaching, because it's helping people recognize their sinful condition and how that sinful condition has been overcome by Jesus Christ. And that message, according to Abraham, is found not just in the New Testament, but also in Moses and the prophets. There are countless promises in the Old Testament books referring to the coming of the Messiah and also his work. That he will take upon himself willingly the punishment of your sins. That's what is meant. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer is because you have the sins of the whole world. There's no one who has sins that Jesus did not die for, but to receive the benefits of the forgiveness of sins. It is necessary to have faith in those promises. You can believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that he was crucified, that he rose from the dead, and none of that will save you because those are historical events that people and the demons are able to believe apart from faith in Jesus Christ. So it's really a waste of time to try and prove to the world that Jesus rose from the dead. There's no doubt there's plenty of evidence in the Bible talking about hundreds of people who saw him after the resurrection but that is convincing to those who have faith because faith not only includes believing the promises of the gospel, it also includes believing the words of the Bible. In fact, the epistle from 1 Timothy chapter 3 talks about someone who aspires to the office of pastor He's desiring a noble task. But then there are certain criteria, and one of them is his ability to teach, not being violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He may be well thought of even by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. And that's also talked about deacons who would have been the elders in that day, that they must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. Because the reputation of a pastor or an elder makes a big difference as to whether the people will be listening to them Because if they're knowledgeable about a failure in a pastor or an elder, then they wonder whether or not what he's saying about Jesus is true. So, these readings are really good to show the importance of trusting in the promises of God, not just historical facts from the Bible all which are true I'm Tom Baker and we'll continue our discussion of law and gospel on Monday I'm sorry tomorrow in taking a look at a hymn until then God bless you